Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. This is Pat Sherlock. And today our topic is holding employees accountable. This is an important topic for sure. And our expert today is Susan Brown, who is SVP of Construction Loan Production for Umqua Bank. Prior to Umqua, Susan was with Washington Mutual, U.S. Bank, and has a long career in banking and mortgage banking. Hi, Susan. Good morning, Pat. How are you today? Oh, doing great. And I'm so glad that you can share your wisdom on this topic. But before we start on that particular topic, let's talk about how you got into managing. Boy, well, it, it seems like a long time ago. And, and thanks again for asking me to come mm-hmm. along on your show, Pat. It's quite an honor. When I started out in uh, banking a long time ago, I had an opportunity to get involved in the management training program. That was coming off of a, I think my first opportunity was in training dishwashers at Farrell's Ice Cream Parlor Restaurant, where I had an opportunity to try to teach people how to do a certain job that seemed small at the time. But I think that was really the beginning catalyst and I got into banking and discovered that I really enjoyed the business and wanted to help with more responsibility and more tasks. So I went into the management training program. And after completing that program, uh, became the youngest branch manager U.S. Bank had ever had. None of us really anticipated that happening, but that was during a recessionary period and they were looking for some help. So I stepped into that role and it just kind of progressed from there taking jobs with increasing responsibility. I do like to point out at this uh, on this topic that managing people and leadership are two different topics. They go hand in hand, they grow together, and leadership is the part of this that I've enjoyed the most and grown into the most, uh, but it all really stemmed from learning how to get people to work together and and uh, come to a common goal. Well, that's really a great point, which leads to my next question. What was the best advice that you ever really heard on the topic of managing? There's there's probably two pieces that I would offer. One, basic fundamental, get the hard stuff done first thing in the morning. <laughs> and I know that sounds really trivial, But when you're trying to work towards goals and work with a clear mind, when you've got something heavy on your shoulders, it makes a lot of sense to try to get that addressed, get it resolved so that you can move on to the more productive and innovative and creative parts of the work. So that that message and advice has resonated with me for a long time. The other piece that I learned kind of the hard way, I think, is really to hire for characteristics. You can always train the technical parts of the job. You can write a manual. You can have online classes that teach how to do that. But it is difficult or impossible to train for things like empathy, drive, curiosity, and pride. So really looking for those qualities in an individual that you're going to be asking to join your team, I think is essential. That's a building block as a manager. Having that instilled in your employees gives you 
one of the tools that you'll need to be successful. Well, I can't agree with you more. I mean, I've spent the last 20 years on that exact topic and from a consulting standpoint, and I do think that certainly it all starts with recognizing that each individual has a set of innate traits and and their traits are things that we need to uncover during our interview process. And so that does lead me to kind of the next question. In your opinion, What's the really secret sauce that many people miss with managing? Everybody wants to be a manager, but it's not an easy job, that's for sure. No, it's not an easy job. I'm going to give some advice here that's probably a little, maybe it resonates in this moment, but I think the piece we often miss is taking time to think and reflect. Having an opportunity to consider where we've been, where we are, and where we're going, and really thinking about the values that we want to bring to the job. And that takes some time to be alone and to think. And I want to mention, uh, it's an article, but the article came from a speech that was offered to the incoming plebes at West Point Academy. You can find it in the American Scholar magazine or website, and it's a a speech called Solitude and Leadership. And I've gone back to that writing many, many times as a reminder of the importance of really understanding what I'm trying to achieve and reflecting so that I can convey and impart those priorities to the people who I'm working with. Well, that's really a great comment, and I uh, and you raised really an important point from the standpoint that when you're a manager, it's 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 hectic, and if you don't take that time to really think through what really does matter and what really is important, so I agree with you 100% with on that. So let's talk a little bit about holding employees accountable because that is obviously one of the top topics that every organization is always talking about, but kind of share your experience of how to do it correctly and what actually works versus this goal of trying to achieve it. There there are actually steps that you can do to make sure it happens. Right. Pat, that's a great point. It's it's the steps, and it seems like the, the further along you go, the more steps get added to the process. Right. In In my experience... I've found that holding employees accountable starts with the interview, which again seems a little counterintuitive, but at that interview, it's an opportunity to uncover those characteristics that we talked about a little Mm -hmm. bit ago. Sure. It also is an opportunity, if, if I've planned well prior to the interview, I know the responses or the kind of responses that I'm going to be looking for in a candidate who will meet the objectives that I'm trying to fill. And so if I have an understanding of what I'm looking for, I've prepared quality interview questions, and that I listen carefully to see if that new potential employee has the kind of values or experience or skills that match what I'm looking for, that's a great start. Hiring the right person makes a big difference. Also in that interview, 
I began adding in stating my expectations during the interview process. And my philosophy was to describe to the employee what I'm looking for, because this is the time where we're both checking each other out and giving them a fair opportunity to assess whether they want to work towards those uh, objectives that I have. So setting out those expectations and explaining the process that I go through with employee interaction to hold them accountable. So setting those expectations and explaining to potential employees what those are. I think once those employees are hired, then comes the second step or the additional work of really explaining, especially when they're new on a pretty routine basis, about what the expectations are and how the job is to be done. And initially checking in pretty frequently to make sure that they're off on the right track. I often relate it to making a cut with a saw. In the very beginning, with a manual saw, I should add, some people might not know what a manual <laughs> saw is, but I'll add that. <laughs> Good point. So you start out very carefully to make sure that that cut is going to be the direction that you plan and the angle that you plan. It's a slow process, you start carefully, and then once you're into that cut, you can be more robust and more purposeful. And I think of bringing on new employees in a very similar way, meeting often, explaining, checking, and getting them back on the path if they've come off of that path. What do you do during the onboarding process? Because that's the early point. You've done the interview, you've done all of the expectation setting. And so then when you move to the onboarding, that's the time period where you're checking in or is there any process that you do that you've made it almost systematic of how you handle the new employee? You know, I, I've done it a couple of different ways, but I think that my favorite way, and I, <laughs> I've joked with people that they're going to get pretty tired of me in the beginning, but I like to check in in the morning, mm -hmm. kind of explain what's going to be happening in the day. And of course, this is different, Pat, for different roles. When you've got a more clerical type of a position versus a sales position, there would be different kind of things that you're really setting up the person for success for. But I think just really having those very frequent meetings, first thing in the morning, and then even at the end of the day to say, all right, how did things go? It could even be more frequent where you check back just in a couple of hours to make sure that they're really off on the right track. If they're doing sales calls, for example, listening in on those sales calls and giving feedback after each call, even doing some role playing very early on to make sure that they're adopting those habits that are gonna be important to, um, to, to have in place in the long term. So talk about role plays, because I think that's a great point. So typically, I'm sure you probably have been hiring experienced originators who already come with think they know how to do it, but maybe not really matched what you're expecting. Talk about how do you use role plays to kind of reorientate them or how do you do that? Right. That's that's a great point. I think there is a common it's an easy thing to hire people with a lot of experience. And so for those folks, I tend to 
do role playing during the course of the interview so that I can hear what their well-established practices are and determine if that their method represents the business that I want to run. So that's kind of easy if they have an inclination towards words or phrases that match with how we try to sell, then that's easy. And then if they don't, if they use tactics or uh, words or methods that don't match us, then, then we simply don't hire those people. For the newer folks, which I love hiring people without experience because then you can really train them. They don't have any habits that you have to break. So really setting up scripts and using different companies, uh, for example, Pat, that are able to help train folks who have that expertise and mm -hmm. specialty. I've done that on many occasions to be able to go through weeks worth of training on how to prepare calls and actually how to conduct those calls. And having professionals be able to help you out with that, that's a win-win situation because you know that you're getting the very best talent helping bring up your new people. So what is the reception for, uh, it's certainly in my experience, new people love this type of stuff. And, and when you say the word scripting, a lot of salespeople just roll their eyes because they don't believe in it. But talk about the mm -hmm. scripting. So scripting, it, it makes me uncomfortable to read a script. But if we have a roadmap that describes or, or defines all of the points that we want to raise, you know, of uncovering objections, asking questions. So mm -hmm. kind of a roadmap of how that call would go. And then having the new associate or someone who you're retraining, find words that match how they would want to say it. The words have to match the person. Right. So we've got an objective. We're trying to uncover what the customer is uncomfortable with, for example. And I might choose words a little bit differently than you might choose words. So really having them practice some things that feel comfortable to them and getting them so that they just roll off their tongue. And if they have an opportunity to do that in a safe space with, with that person and myself, playing the roles of the customer and the salesperson, for example, they can begin to find those words that are comfortable. I, I think another method that I've used too, Pat, is to have them listen in on someone who has a lot of experience and maybe they will be inspired by a phrase that they heard or the way that that person said a certain thing. And eventually you begin to collect a catalog of ways to say things that you can pull from and draw from um, for a long time. Well, that's a great point. In fact, actually, one of the things when I'm doing training is to have the, the person, the individual to actually tape their own calls because you really don't even think about the words you're saying. But when you have to listen back or Likewise, I was going to ask you a question about video. Are you using video in the role playing or is it just strictly shadowing you or, or having scripting done for them? You know, we haven't used video. I've been involved in some mm -hmm. classes and training that they have used video, but we have not done that here. 
I think there is a lot of value to that, particularly if you're going to be either on lots of Zoom calls, like we find ourselves in this environment today, or right. if you're going to be doing in-person uh, meetings. There are many habits we have of which we are unaware until we have the opportunity to have them reflected back at us. And I think there is a great value if that resource is available to you. It's uncomfortable, but I think it is worth the discomfort. Well, I think going forward, I think the big lesson out of the current period is that we are going to have more and more of our salespeople going to have to be good at doing video presentations. And it is a whole different skill set that as a whole, you don't really see in the industry for sure. So I think you're really right on with that. So any other comments about scripting? Because I think that's something that many managers think well, I don't want to do that because it sounds so artificial, but scripting really is a roadmap. And I agree with you hundred percent. Right. Yeah. And, and I would echo the discomfort that, that most people say they have with a script, even, even in a movie, the actor goes off script. They right. know the essence of what's to be said, the flavor of what's to be said. But I'm just going to bet that if you match the script to the actual words that come out on the video, I bet they don't exactly match. So it's really a way just to, to create a roadmap and really a guide. Yeah. What you're saying, which is yes. great. Well, we could talk for hours about this topic. We only have a few minutes left. Would you want to maybe summarize a couple key points that you want our listeners to really take away today about holding employees accountable? Yeah, I would, Pat. Thanks. You know, as I've been managing people over my career, I tried to think about if it were my own business, what would I want? And I know a lot of your listeners do own their own companies, and a lot of your listeners work for large organizations, so there's a mix. But for all of us, I think if we think about it in terms if it was our fortune invested in the company, if it was my livelihood and my dream, what would I expect? What would I tolerate? How would I want my employees representing my company and thinking about it in a way that it's my responsibility to make sure that they have the tools to do the work that I'd like them to do and that they have good feedback and communication for positive work and work that requires some modification. Great communication with employees will help them understand what you need and expect, and they will rise to the occasion. If they understand what you want, they will rise to the occasion and do what you need them to do. Well, that's a great point to leave on today. I want to thank you, Susan, for sharing all your wonderful thoughts on this. It was really terrific. And I want to thank our listeners. And certainly I would like to ask uh, for you to take a second and rate our podcast. Thanks so much.